our fearless leader has abandoned us to uh, take care of his dog, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you guys are f- falling apart without me. Yeah. We're lost. We don't know what to do. You guys don't have a, a conversation if I'm not here? We need direction. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, Ranger decided it's time to chew a loud-ass bone in the middle of the podcast studio. How dare he? Well, was he enjoying it? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Hero Hoopla. Hoopla! Hoopla! The unofficial podcast of saving the world with the power of family and love. Well, oh my God, well said. And beetles. And alien technology. And entomology. (laughs) Alien entomology. This week on the Hoopla Podcast, we'll be talking about the newest installment of the DCEU slash DCU slash ambiguous maybe this is part of an extended universe but maybe it's not or dc george universe oh (laughs) could be george lopez verse it's the george (laughs) lopez verse the first and only movie in the george lopez extended superhero universe blue beetle (laughs) a very fun little movie crisp i enjoyed watching it for sure and i'm excited to talk about it here with the hoopla croopla Joining me, as always, on this podcast, we have the superhero historian, Andy Smith. Andy Smith here, a connoisseur of many nerdy things, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. Okay, everyone needs to stop what they're doing and watch the Rebel Moon sci-fi trailer. (laughs) It is incredible. Zack Snyder is back with an epic coming in December of this year. What, What do you need more than Gladiator slash 300? Slash Star Wars slash Dune. Incredible. It looked Zach very Snyder. Dune. Actually, Z- Dune Zach 2 Snyder. does look th- Come on. an absolutely epic. Wow. Actually, we're gonna, Rebel, let's Rebel just leave Man. three and a half minutes of empty space here so that our listeners can go watch that trailer real quick. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great call. All right. um, actually, no, we, right we got to keep the listeners. <laughs> so go listen to it afterwards. We'll remind you about it at the end of the podcast. Keep listening there because we, we have yeah. great insight coming from the mastermind of all things... DC, Chris Pio. Yeah, mastermind. <laughs> like a brainiac? I think the movie you're referring to is Megamind. That was Illumination. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm no mastermind, but certainly am enjoying being in this new DCEU slash DCU slash George Lopez extended universe, with Blue Beetle being the first entry truly under James Gunn, even though he didn't have much of a part to play. I'm excited for what's to come, and I gotta tell you, I had more fun with Blue Beetle than I did The Flash, and we'll get into the, Ooh, the weeds of that here in Early just a comparisons. Even before we introduce the fourth member of the Hoopla Croopla, arguably the most important, everybody's crazy uncle with all sorts of insane conspiracy theories, it's Jake Laxer. <laughs> Where's that blue beetle coming from? I don't know, but it's from outer space or some shit. I don't know. Hey, Jake Laxer here, lover of all things TV and movies. That was good. Yeah, thank that you. Was very thank good. you. I, I tried to channel my inner my inner uncle there. So there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, lover of all things TV and movies. To reiterate, uh, in case you forgot, happy to be back. We are stateside, or I am stateside now officially on the Hoopla Croopla podcast, so uh, it's not going to be any more three-second awkward delays in response times. That's nice. (laughs) Nobody even noticed because my editing was so good. 
We're gonna be yeah. <laughs> miraculous, but, but we're gonna are. be diving in. <laughs> we're gonna be diving into Blue Beetle. Literally, so stoked about this film. Um, I enjoyed it from start to finish, just right off the bat. My favorite DC movie in about the past five years. Ooh. So I'm gonna just lead with that. Let's dive in. Whoa. Oh man, oh that's no, that's, that's quite that's the a, little tease. That's, that's spicy. Thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the Hoopla Podcast. If you want to follow us and stay up to date with all the fun stuff we're talking about with all these DC movies, Star Wars TV shows that are coming out soon. We got Ahsoka coming out this week. You can follow us on all the socials. Chris, where can they find us? Oh, yeah. Things are about to get spicy here at the end of the summer. And in order to stay up to date on all of that content, as well as all of the podcast episodes that we release, go ahead and follow us at Hoopla Podcasts cross-platform. You can find us on Twitter. Twitter, Instagram, as well as TikTok now to get a little behind the scenes of what the Hoopla Croopla has been up to both in-universe and outside of the universe. Ooh, a little peek behind the screen, maybe some behind videos. the scenes IRL adventures. So definitely check us out at Hoopla Podcasts. Real people cross-platform beautiful oh we need merchandising merchandising <laughs> merchandising. <laughs> merchandising. <laughs> merchandising what do we got andy what, what do you got for us <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you what we have here, Jake. We Hoopla Podcast Network Square Site for all of your Hoopla gear. I'm talking Holocron Hoopla. I'm talking Hobbit Hoopla, and of course, our official Hoopla Podcast official gear: shirts, sweaters, hoodies. It's about to hit the fall. Get yourself a hoodie. Check it out. Hoopla Podcast Network Square Site. A nice cozy hoodie to listen to all the podcasts. I wish I could be wearing one right now. Oh. You could be. Just go to that website that Andy just said, and is also linked in the description of this episode. Um, Thank you all for supporting the podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens. Tell your friends if they've seen any of these movies, or if they they haven't seen any of these movies, have them listen to the podcast. We'll tell them why they should see these movies. I'm a blue beetle. You know what song I've had stuck in my head since watching Blue Beetle? You know, when George Lopez and the family commandeer that, like, beetle walker and uh, kickstart my heart starts playing that that sexy guitar. Let's dive in to Blue Beetle. What a fun movie. It, it kind of brought us back to... Yeah. The early days of superhero movies, it was a relatively classic superhero story where we meet Jaime Reyes and his family who live in the fictional city of Palmera City, and they're just kind of living their lives. And then some crazy stuff happens with the bad evil corporation of Cord Cord Industries, that's right, not Stark Industries. You might be confused and think it's Stark Industries, but no, it's... Cord Industries is so much cooler than Stark Industries, and I will fight anyone who says something Okay. Different. And oh, here comes the DC oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, he's joke. getting started early. Uh, so Jaime has a run-in with uh, Cord Industries where he comes upon this alien technology, this scarab, which gives him the powers of the Blue Beetle, he becomes a superhero and then has to take down the evil head of Cord Industries, Vivian Cord, um, as she's trying to create a new army of super weapons. 
and we get some classic superhero style fights between a superhero against a bad guy with the exact same power set going up against each other trying to classic. save the day. A classic, a classic, classic superhero classic movie. 2000s, classic 2000s, maybe. Classic is right. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that holds this film back. It, it might hold it back. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. But, what, do you, what do you got there, Chris? Go well, on. I, please I, go on. Please go on. But there's more to be said first. You've got the initial impacts of, of the, the superhero stylings. But, of course, Victoria Cord comes into power and possession of... You know, lots of evil, evil, evil machinations, uh, and Jaime Reyes is, of course, needing to stop. Yeah. A friendly neighborhood. Blue Beetle. beetle. (laughs) (laughs) 40% Spider-Man, 40% Iron Man, 20% Jackie Chan from the Tuxedo. The no. 2002 classic. <laughs> I'm going to argue 20% Green Lantern. Get at me. Also 20% Green Lantern. <laughs> okay, thank you. I would thank say you. that Blue Beetle power set is pretty much is pretty similar to Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. And I even heard that Green Lantern made a quick appearance in the opening, uh, the opening uh, scene here where Ooh. you see the scarab flying across the universe hit by a giant green light which was confirmed to be a green lantern by the director oh i did not that is very interesting a quick moment but it's kind of interesting that they've planted a lot of seeds of potential future characters in this movie yeah that'd be really interesting that director you're talking about there angel soto shout out to him great job on this film yeah great job directing i think everything about this movie was was solid it was you know uh like I said, a simple superhero storyline, but I think it was very well done. And I think it especially shined with the Reyes family. We had more of like an ensemble movie than we typically get for solo superhero films. And it was great to have his sister, who was hilarious the whole time, his uncle, played by George Lopez, who was yeah. the star of the show, um, as well as Such a delight. his parents yeah. and his grandma shows up. <laughs> with a no, huge no. Gatlin gun Great at character. the end. Yeah. Uh, I thought the family aspect of it was fantastic. They did a phenomenal job casting this this movie. Um, I think also just sort of exploring the Latino superhero sort of genre. They just, everything was just on all cylinders. They did such a good job here. Um, and yeah, like you said, the family dynamic was outstanding. You felt the love. You felt the the inclusiveness and the warmth whenever you see all these different actors interacting uh, on screen. And I just wanted more. I, I wanted to see more of the family. And they, they were just such a delight to watch. Chris, was there anything that stood out to you that you really enjoyed from this movie? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think Jake, Jake hit it on the head. It's that family aspect. We've mm-hmm. seen so many superhero movies where... Uh, you know, Uncle Ben and Aunt May can only die in so many ways. You know, it's not that anyone's tired of superhero story or, or Spider-Man stories. And obviously from the Marvel Universe, we are left on a very somber and interesting note in Tom Holland's recent run in those last three movies. But at the end of the day, he's losing family members. He never really had many family members to get to begin with. This is a whole new take on that superhero taking up the mantle style of coming of age film. This is a guy who 
is the one that got out. He went to college. He, he was able to get to that next level and try to provide and come back for his family. And that obviously gets thrown through turmoil and some crazy shenanigans. And he ends up being in the right place at the right time. But that place always includes his family. And they made that very evident throughout the, the whole runtime of the film, where not only was the family involved in the final battle itself, uh, where you normally don't see that in a superhero film, it was important right. for the family to be there through those three acts of progression of a superhero film. The beginning where family is all you have, the middle where family gets you to that step, and the end where family, even once, spoiler alert, you lose a part of your family, you come together stronger in the end. I, I, family was the mm -hmm. number one aspect of this film. I think the director and writing staff made that very clear. And for once... Writing and good directoring, good directoring, bleh, <laughs> good directorial stylings made that evident, and we just haven't seen that kind of writing and focus in a DC film in a while. And you, you mentioned that uh, you mentioned there, Chris, about you know the t the family sort of rebounding from some degree of turmoil. Um, I liked how they showed that the family came together, and then there was time to lament. Right, that they. They had a yeah. objective to come to overcome together, and then at the end of the film, we see that re that reunion, and we see that sort of memorial for again, spoiler, father passing away. <laughs> so um, I, don't think, I don't think you can again spoiler. <laughs> we just <laughs> well, respoiled. I, I did it. We just made it <laughs> for anyone who forgot what Chris said. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a great point, Jake. Yeah, to, to come together at the end. Mm -hmm. yeah, what I really loved about really all the, the family interactions is they gave each scene time to breathe. Mm. You know, it's it wasn't a rushed sure. plot. Uh, you could say that maybe some of the other aspects of the movie were potentially pushed aside a bit to really give a lot of screen time to the family. But that's what made it unique and, and mm -hmm. you kind of then gave you the payoff of the second act when the father passes and then gives you the payoff when when Rudy and 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 uh and Jaime like reunite at the end of the film and the family has that big hug scene right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they just Love gave that. enough time to to the to the family members meanwhile not dragging it out like there was no point during the family scenes that I thought oh let's move on I'd like to see the next action sequence it, it just it was it was refreshing in a lot of ways, just the interactions. And I think it was partially because each of the individual characters were so unique to their kind of archetype. You know, you had the the funny Rudy character. You had the also pretty funny sister. You mm -hmm. had the loving like nature of the dad where he has individual scenes with uh, with with Jaime and then the grandmother as well. And as in addition to having their own aspects of their personal characters, they each also had different ways that they interacted with each other. Like Jaime yeah, and his yeah. sister had mm -hmm. their very personal relationship and mm -hmm. he acted differently, but equally as lovingly with his parents. And he had his relationship with his uncle. Um, mm -hmm. I just think they did a great job. They also did really well with the directing of those scenes to have all six people in such a close confined space like yeah. they were in this oh, small yeah. little cute house and just the camera was chaotic it was going all over the place i'm thinking specifically of the scene where jaime transformed for the first time where they were all just <laughs> yeah, losing their absolute minds <laughs> as it looks like jaime's getting consumed by a demon which <laughs> actually looked pretty cool. a horror film <laughs> yeah. when like, it looked so like the venom was taking like there yes. was it was going into his yeah. mouth 
He was in, and it was kind of interesting Very, what they did with that yeah. scene because while it is horrifying and you, it could, that scene could have been made in like a rated R fashion and it was close to that. Then they had music over the top that made it more comical. So it was yes. just, it, it right. was different. It's just a different type of movie. Yeah. I'm a big OST guy, uh, so I'll check out the soundtrack for any film, uh, especially after the fact. I'll go back and, and the musical stylings, not only for that scene, but in very much the whole film were just spot on, 100%. Just dripping in, in Mexican and Latin culture, for one, which it had to be. But two, there were some songs where, even you know, I obviously recognized them. Uh, one particular moment for me, as, as it's just, you know, just some typical white dude that likes rock and roll, was uh, the scarab battle scene where the family kind of commandeers the battle and then that uh, that Motley Crue kickstart your heart yeah, song comes uh, on. It's just that crunchy guitar uh that uh, perfect styling for me but that scene as well Andrew, like you mentioned it it kind of takes the terror of an alien technology taking over and it's not that it pacifies it it's just it, that is the real reaction that we don't get from a lot of superheroes right. any superhero guy in the chair or sidekick is is looking at these heroes doing these incredible mutated things and they're like yeah, it's a superhero movie. I don't have any reaction. That family is how you would react if your son yeah. or your brother or your grandson was doing something like yeah. that and had that happen the, to the them. The dad is is pointing at Jaime and saying, "What do I do? What do I do?" Because <laughs> yeah. you had no, you would have no idea what to do in that moment. And it is a way to make this unique and different than a lot of other superhero transformation scenes that we've yeah. seen. Because we've for the past 20 years, how many of these have we seen? A million. Yeah. And I and I love how the sister, um, played by uh, Belissa Escobedo, I love how she makes a joke about how disgusting it is as it's like leeching into his back and just beginning to like <laughs> s like spore and sort of form into him becoming the Blue Beetle. Right. I mean, everything they did about that scene, th they dramatized it, yet they added the yeah. levity to it, like you were saying, and it, it worked perfectly. How, how you make comedy out of an exorcism scene is great. <laughs> great. No, that's a really good point. And that's what, and that's what Rudy said, right? And his line, he says, he's a, it's a demon. It's a demon. And <laughs> his character was perfect across this movie. That's mm. my highlight. If I was going to say one of my highlights of this film, it is the Rudy character because yeah. a lot of the comedy we've seen across all of our superhero movies lately has been really cheesy, doesn't fit well, but George Lopez knows how to, mm -hmm. uh, he can, uh, convey uh, a, like a good tone, a funny tone, really like that isn't cheesy, isn't annoying, isn't just a you know it's just a writer put something on the wall. Like it, it was delivered so well by him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah, an absolute delight to have in the film. Um, George Lopez and I'm a George Lopez fan from way back. I you know Nick at Night. I used to stay up late watching George Lopez and Home Improvement, all those shows that came on way late. George Lopez being one of my favorites. He's one of those few comedians that that is funny, kind of like a like a Will Ferrell type where mm. you don't really need George Lopez to be writing jokes or really you don't need to write jokes for George Lopez. This was a perfect casting for him and it just helped that superhero movie become light and, and and brevity certainly but it just that's the missing element that we've been missing from some yeah. cheesy superhero movies like you said i thought it was perfect it was it was just astounding and after seeing like the trailer and, and the casting announcement i was a little nervous i thought this yeah. was just kind yeah. of like if we harken back to you know quantumania where 
Bill Murray came in and had a little bit role. A shoehorn. Exactly. famous actor. Absolutely. And while it was exciting to see Bill Murray in the MCU, and you can officially put him on the list of amazing A-list actors, this was so much more effective. Well, so I, I had a question for you guys. The family aspect across all, you know, whatever critics say, the, the family aspect was super positive. It, it was the highlight of the film and it was a lot of fun and I, I really enjoyed getting to meet those characters. What about outside of that? What is your... My other highlight of the film was, I'm going to pronounce his name incorrectly, I apologize, but the actor who played Jaime, Jolo Maradueña, maybe, something like that. Um, I think that was pretty good. Yeah. He was fantastic. I... Oh, he so is an incredible mm-hmm. Blue Beetle, and I really hope he gets to continue playing this role for more movies. I thought that this, uh, he's, you know, of, what is the name of the show? I just Cobra said Cobra Kai. Kai. Of, of Cobra Kai fame, Shola Maraduena, I think this was a huge star in the making type of movie. Like, I, I think he, he owned this role. Mm-hmm. And also seeing what he's done in Cobra Kai, I I think he would be a wonderful addition to the DC universe going forward for the next 10 years. I absolutely like, Even if you agree. have to do something to fit his character into whatever is being created, I just thought he commanded, um, you know, kind of commanded every scene he was in. And he's so likable. Like, oh, he's here- just such a likable character or actor and character. Bouncing off of what you just said, hear me out. That is DC's Robert Downey Jr. Calling it right now. Calling it I've right some now. Big oh, I've shoes. Seen, I've seen some reactions comparing to like a Spider-Man Tom Holland type young naive coming into his own. I've also seen the Iron Man takes where you kind of have I, I, no one. The, the casting for Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man to return from his career that took a bit of a off the beaten path and to come back and just mm, spark the that MCU. That's a comeback of all time. That's, yeah. that's it's a comeback of all time. But I don't think you're far off, Jake. I think I think you're exactly right. This could mm. be kind of a crux, a focal point for the next like a grounding five, character ten. that I think you know, the grounding character that Marvel has missed since you got you moved on from you True. know from Captain America, from mm-hmm. Iron Man. They need that. And we've seen so many uh batman we've seen so many supermen you need a different character i think to to host a lot of these stories and i Mm -hmm. once again he's just so likable that i every film he would be in i would be happy yeah absolutely i i agree i think the biggest holdup obviously dc's had all its issues here and there whatever um i think the biggest holdup is the name of this superhero who is blue beetle honestly a lot of people didn't even know Mm. i mean iron man is just right off the get-go, significantly more culturally relevant here. True. Um, so people can easily gravitate to that. This movie has to let it take its time, let it resonate, uh, let people see it as time sort of progresses. And I think people will be very much on board. Um, it's it's just, you know, Warner Brothers just has to recognize, and I think James Gunn recognizes this, but they're going to have to take a hit on this. Yeah, I, I hope you're right, because the the worst thing that could possibly happen to this movie is exactly what happened to it with everything surrounding its release. It is true. It was given the worst yep. possible chance of success by the yes. rest of DC 
and Warner Brothers by being in this weird in-between period of ending one extended universe and starting the new James Gunn universe. Uh, it's in the middle of a strike where actors and writers mm -hmm. can't promote their work. It's mm -hmm. an unknown character, as Jake mentioned. Pay actors and writers fairly. <laughs> it's coming off of you know Oppenheimer and Barbie that have just taken the summer by storm the box mm -hmm. office is still and the meg to, too and the meg too. <laughs> meg too the trench is actually doing very Don't, well is it? Don't no it way is, it is. we will be doing wow. a hoopla episode about the meg too at some point in the next Jason 12 years Statham strikes <laughs> you back do you have the domestic box office right off the top of your head I, I don't have oh, the best of bummer, box office with the to the trench, but I should have because that is just a it's top the movie best. In the summer. But the <laughs> Blue Beetle domestic box office is terrible, which is really unfortunate because it's a very good movie, and I think I agree. It's also suffering from the fact that it came out eight years too late. If this movie came out mm. in the early 2010s, right in the the meat of the first phase or second oh, phase yeah. of the MCU, this would have mm -hmm. changed the whole trajectory of DC because this was a really good movie. The only drawbacks to this right. movie is that we've seen this movie a hundred times over the past decade. Right. If this was in the early end of the superhero run, this would have been an absolute hit, but it's coming in the, the tail yeah. end as all the superhero movies are starting to fall off a bit. And in the midst of all this DC insanity, this movie just had zero chance for success which is a real shame because it's a good movie. Mm -hmm. To be fair, the expectations for this movie were incredibly low. This was yes. a movie that was going to go straight to HBO Max and was seen by the executives at Warner Brothers as uh, being good enough to be a theatrically released movie. And that's why you get back to the, the budget of this movie was reportedly around $104 million, which is about a third of what The Flash overall budget was so once again like even if the box office is low it may be a you know it may be a money loser but at least i mean it's a it's a good movie even mm -hmm. at having like that low of a budget which is what i like was interesting to me where this didn't need to have the spectacle of a 300 right. million dollar crazy multiversal movie no instead it was just a family movie that also had the scarab and had action sequences that were actually made pretty well, I thought. Yeah, the CGI was way better than any other DC movie CGI. True. Yeah. I mean, significantly better than Secret Invasion CGI. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. I mean, DC does not have good CGI, just in general. But this movie, this movie looked like a Marvel movie. I think one of the most rewarding facts of this particular DC film is that there were no other DC characters in it. Now, we got references. There was a, the Batman as a fascist. We knew that from a trailer. That was funny. Uh, uh, Andrew, you're now telling us the Green Lantern was technically referenced, which that that's obviously another DC reference there. Uh, I think there were a couple other. Wonder Woman was maybe referenced one time. We had Lex Corp um, was in the background. Lex Corp, and then of course the uh, the mid credits scene where we talk mm -hmm. about. I like that this was an established, you know, fake city, yeah. real world kind of thing where the where the Blue Beetle has existed before. He was already a superhero, right? Yeah, right? Superheroes are real. That part is knowledge in this universe. But we don't have to have Diana coming in to save the day just for a quick cameo, just to, so we can hear her jingle 
And everyone can say, oh, the DC universe. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need that in this movie because it's so strong and it stands on its own. Now, how is this going to fit into James Gunn's plans? I'm not sure. No one's really sure except for him and the executives who signed the checks. But at the end of the day, I was so stoked to not have to have a cameo in order for me to enjoy a DC movie on its own. Yeah, these superhero universes built themselves up with their connectivity between the movies where one character shows up in a different character's movie and you're like, oh, this whole world is connected. But now it's Mm -hmm. gotten to the point where they're all suffering because everything has to be connected. And we've seen that. In the end, it's like, why, why did you make this movie? This movie was made to be a family story about this Latina family when and a, a kid that's coming back home when things are going wrong for his family. That's also set in the superhero world. And you could take it out. And to your point, Chris. It would have just been a fun, you know, it would have just been a fun movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to that point that <clears throat> you're bringing up Marvel, um, I, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I truly think the MCU is out of control and they need to bring it back in. Uh, I, I think the, like, the multiverse is a great concept. I think I absolutely love it. I think it brings a lot of material <laughs> to the big screen. However, they need to reel it in. Because- Secret Invasion is the worst thing that's ever happened in the history <laughs> of movies and TV. Oh, God. We're all really... We're just reacting. I get it. Yeah, but all that to say, you know, this being a grounded single, you know, superhero film was perfect. Exactly what Chris is alluding to. Um, I want them to do this going forward. DC's biggest issue uh, with past movies is they've been trying to push too much content to introduce too many characters all at once. Yeah. This was perfect. And I've said it for years. You build it up. You build it up with these single movies or these introduction stories. And that's what we're hoping from the James Gunn universe. But I truly think that this would be a great introduction going forward for the Blue Beetle character, both Jaime Reyes and Ted Kord, and a lot of things you can do off of that. And I personally expect that they're going to introduce Blue Beetle into the early phase of DC Universe, the Gods and Monsters, Chapter One. Mm -hmm. Ooh, which one is Blue Beetle? A god or a monster? Great question. Oh, probably a god, <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. It's a, it's a, it's an alien. You know, well, I guess an alien. Are aliens gods? If DC doesn't pull it off, you can go ahead and call me a gonster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy. <laughs> That's a portman. No. <laughs> a portman. No. God, this is why he gets paid the big bucks. That's folks. right. Venmo me at Jamie Claire. Give me the big bucks for these sweet ass puns. <laughs> At Dr. Space Wizard. (laughs) Jamie, we've been positive for a lot of this review. Let's tear it down, baby. And I know for a fact you're going to bring up the the negative aspects of this movie, which I would presume is Victoria Cord's character. Oh, God, yeah. What do you think? She was nothing. Oh, poor Susan Sarandon. Gotta love Susan Sarandon, but Victoria Cord was written by just taking quotes from every other supervillain from the 90s <laughs> through 2007 and just pasting them together ransom note style and gave it to Susan Sarandon as a script. She was yeah. the, oh, the most forgettable villain there will ever be in a superhero movie. <laughs> 
I got her name wrong at the start of this episode, and I didn't even mean to. I mean, I enjoyed Gravik more than I enjoyed Victoria Court. <laughs> Damn, that's yeah, low, Chris. You could have told me that the writing team went on strike just before writing Victoria's (laughs) chords part and that an AI program captured those same lines from the 90s, like you said. And again, if you gave Susan Sarandon an AI script, she still did the best she could. There was no no fault on her. Right. But just some of the actions her character took... the biggest one that jumps out to me. I'm sorry. I'm taking over. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> My biggest hear, gripe. Here comes Chris's biggest gripe of the episode. <laughs> when it's a very tragic and, and and sad scene. It's a very real scene. We haven't even talked about, uh, uh, you know, pretty much a raid. So we see a raid of the family's mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And that eventually leads to the fire, uh, which eventually, of course, leads to the heart attack and the father passing away. Uh, mm-hmm. Alberto Reyes just does not make it to the end of the film. That's our spoiler for your third time. <laughs> Again. My problem is that <laughs> as, these, as he is lying on the ground dying in his daughter's arms, as the rest of the neighborhood is around watching everything happen, go up in flames, this w- supposed high-end business leader is flying away on a helicopter and, and doesn't even, like, offer to call a medvac or something like that. They're just going to let this person die. I mean, I understand they're raiding this house to get back this technology, but everyone's watching, and, and Victoria Cord just flies away in the helicopter. No, nah, it's over. It's done. Because she's it, evil. Just, sacrifices must be made for the greater good yeah. that's what it is it was like here it was like hair right evil right a purely evil person no motivations no writing whatsoever yeah. just this this is an evil. easy one jamie where you could give us one of your rewritten storylines yeah yeah <laughs> just in, just introduce one reason why she hates ted cord jenny's father and why she's doing this for the company because it's going to benefit her in some way this and then you would fix this entire the entire i don't know man this might be too much for even line. me to rewrite i need something to work with Let's get AI to rewrite it because it rewrote it the first time. Perfect. Now they tried. They tried to add some sentimentality to the evil side of things. Carapax, that character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, Raul Carapax. Max Trujillo. I mean, a great character he with was only, great. I don't know, maybe 20 lines, maybe less. Yeah. Uh, we only find out that he's only going through all of this uh, because of his family, because of that locket that he keeps. And that's in the third act. Mm-hmm. Who cares about this character until we find out the motivation why he's letting uh, Victoria Cord just absolutely abuse his body? So they, there was no reason for her to be that evil and dumb and heartless. It just, all right, uh, thus ends Chris's rant of the episode. <laughs> yeah. But she got dragged into the flames by her own yeah. creation and then exploded or whatever honestly <laughs> literally what wasted yeah by her own production. they really could have though they they introduced ted court at the end of this you know in the med credit scene mm. why didn't they make a connection there like why does she hate him yeah why why did she do this with the company Oh, and it could be an evil intention. That's very good. Right? Like there's there's just a there's one through line. I think they just missed. And I think it's because they focused on the writing for the family 
Hmm. And the villain was just an afterthought, which is always like is often the case Boom. with these super. Here we go. Movies. Andy, you absolutely nailed it. Ted Cord was doing his Blue Beetle thing, but he was doing it on a small scale just within Palmera City fighting crime like your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Victoria Cord thought that he had the genius. He had the technology. He had the power and responsibility. He needed to share that with the rest of the world. This could this technology that he created to be the Blue Beetle should be shared with more people mm -hmm. to help prevent crime in other cities and to save the Absolutely. world in various ways rather than just being, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. A shield around the world, like I yeah. Iron Man said. Yeah. Why didn't we get that in the first 90 yeah. seconds? Yeah. Why was it the post credit scene that we learned that there was motivation for them to have friction? The, you know, you could have even thrown in, uh, you know, how like The Incredibles starts out with like the, the newspapers about how heroes need to go into hiding and stuff. You could have even done that. The Blue Beetle hasn't been seen Didn't... since that faded day where Victoria Cord was doing something in the lab. And maybe she's the one that sent him off into the other dimension or mm. space or whatever it is. Didn't Susan Sarandon have a line somewhere like near the, the beginning of the movie where she mentioned he was not capable of bringing this technology to the level it could be? I, I thought I remember something to You're that right, degree. But again... That that was AI generated. Like it, there was no meat. There's no meat on that bone. <laughs> you wanted meat and potatoes. <laughs> it was only potatoes. It was, just to, just to be clear, it probably was a writer. It probably was a writer. <laughs> and it was just wasn't great. It's probably a writer that's not getting paid enough and having fair wages and benefits as part of the Writers Guild. Boom. Yikes. Fucking got him, DC. Bing, Warner bing, Brothers, bing. whatever. Um, but yeah, Jake, you're right. I mean, like, she should have wanted to help the world with the technology as opposed to want to get rich off the technology and be willing to torture a human being in order to integrate the scarab into his mind. Isn't that the whole, like... <laughs> deal with obadiah in iron man one yeah. like isn't that the whole concept of what that villain i mean again going back 90s 2000s whatever copy paste control c <laughs> control v right this is this is what's going on but I, I don't think that's like it's not a strong motivation for an evil villain but it is a motivation. It's a motivation. It's fine. When we saw it in Iron Man, it was the coolest fucking thing we'd ever <laughs> I seen agree. in the world. That, was, that, was <laughs> that is true. But that this was, was 15 also, years ago. Jeff Bridges. I mean, I like Susan too, Sarandon yeah. as well. Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges was, yeah. it was pretty dang good as Obadiah. But um, Victoria Cord also plays the important role of hating her niece for some reason. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Jenny Cord. <laughs> who was also a standout star in this movie. I really liked her interactions, her little relationship that she started to form with Jaime, as well as the relationship that she started to form with the whole Reyes family. And through their little adventures together, uh, she kind of became part of the family for a nice little group hug at the very end, brought some yeah. little tears to the eyes. It was very sweet, very sentimental. Little, little, little Mackin. One thing I did miss with that character and Victoria Cord's character, I would have liked if Victoria at least tried to manipulate Jenny into getting what she wanted instead of just immediately insulting her. That's too complex for an AI to write. Which obviously that put her on the path to be, you know, to start talking with with uh, with Jamie or. Uh, you know. Jaime Reyes, uh, but that was a, she was a great character. Like I, I, I believed the relationship with her and Jaime, 
Yeah. Um, I thought that worked really well and I think could work going forward. Now, at some points, it's like, are you truly a billionaire, like leader of a company? Because you're still, I'm mean, pretty young still. Like, yeah. She's got a cool motorcycle at the end. At the end of the movie, it's like riding on the black motorcycle. Pretty sick. Uh, it was very like transform. It was like a uh, very much Ooh. of Transformers. Fox. <laughs> it was kind of Megan yeah. Fox. What a fucking Great sick funeral outfit to show up in. Instead of wearing a black dress, she shows up in black, black leather. leather motorcycle outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, completely out of character for what she was the yeah, entire rest that's of the rad. movie. But badass as shit. Yeah. Um. Shout out to Bruna Marquezine. I. Got some help from my Brazilian friend on how to pronounce that earlier today. Shout out to Natalia. Thank you. I'm sorry I still pronounced it wrong, but I thought she did a very good job in this movie. I do want to talk about the Jenny Cord character as a complete diametrically opposed written character to the Susan Sarandon Mm -hmm. Victoria Cord character. I think not only was Jenny much better written with motivations and and actual determination to achieve a goal for the purpose of it bettering uh, society, humanity, even herself at certain times when she was just trying to steal the scarab in the very first act. I think through the acts, you learn that while she is very limited in her understanding of family, she comes to realize with us as the audience that family is the most important thing Mm. and if that's going to be the central theme you might as well have a character that goes from bad to good in that department and i think jenny cord was perfect for that role Uh, this is a sidekick character and of course a love interest and and we'll see where that goes in the following films but in this movie she went from solely trying to steal the tech back to avenge her father who has she has no idea what even happened to him to understanding that things can be done through family if you just ask for help and offer it as well. And I thought that was beautifully constructed through the script. Yeah. Very, Very well strong put. sense of family throughout the... Yeah. You did a great job. Chris. Yeah. Well done. Beautiful. Pat. Well done. Thank you. And well done. I think we see three pio for you people. Well, um, we mentioned before it's sort of the relationship between uh, the cords, Jenny and Victoria. Um, I do think that was a little bit awkward or just it just wasn't there for me just for the reason that i guess victoria is sort of projecting her dismay with with her husband don't so don't look in don't try to make sense of it it was nothing everything related to victoria cord was nothing and so she like despises her daughter I, it was hard to buy um but my qualm with the film is when oh, yeah. yeah is when Jenny steals the ID badge to access the lab to to grab the you know the blue beetle. Um, how does the guy get his how does lab he get back oh, in? card? How does, back? how does he get back in? It makes no sense to me. If if I had I access oh. to a top secret clearance laboratory and I tried to get back in and I couldn't find said card, I would lose my shit. Like, she would have already been caught. She, it was five minutes ago. This dude's... Right. How did he get another card? It was like, oh, no, it's fine. Oh, magic. Yeah. Well, he comes back in and he sits down at the burger and he's like, finally, it's just you and me. How'd he get in? You're right. 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 Maybe he's the blue beetle. <laughs> I thought that at the time and it's like, ugh, is this the plot hole? Every, there was quite a few that plot watched holes. that movie they, they, that's like that's an easy one though she just took the badge unless she did she drop it 
And we need to go <laughs> rewatch the movie to see did she drop it? Did she keep it on the the scanner? Did she bump and, into uh, him again yeah. and clip it back to his <laughs> belt loop? <laughs> we'll never know. Yeah. But I mean, as she stole his burger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't even notice that the, his burger box was taken. She took his fries and he didn't even notice. Plot hole. <laughs> plot hole. Major Shout out plot to hole. Big Belly Burger, subsidiary to LexCorp. Just going to really? put that out there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. Very interesting. Rudy would hate that capitalism. Yeah, yeah, the fast food joint owned by... Franchise building. Franchise building. Good little, little Easter egg. Oh, yeah. I saw the, the Gotham Law sweatshirt. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. That was yeah. a cool Easter that was egg. Fun. That would yeah. be nice. Um, yeah. Great Easter eggs. Solid movie all around. As we bring this episode of the Hero Hoopa podcast to a close, let's do a quick rapid fire round of ratings for this movie. And I also want to hear what everybody's favorite moment from the film was. Starting with you, Andy. Oh, starting with me. Ooh, okay. I what I did not bring up really quick, Jamie. Kaji Da, very cool scarab. I was I I love that suit. Mm. I thought that suit was awesome. The what I think one of my favorite moments was probably when he finally got the suit and she was going through the what is it called? Protocols, diagnostics. Yeah. Uh, when Kaji Da started the diagnostic checks, shot him into space. We've seen Iron Man go into space. What does he do? He drops him. Uh, <laughs> then you know you have like Kaji Da taking over water, and then going the the in the trailer you saw the the one cut through the bus. Like that was all a fun thing. That was actually a funny moment with the hmm. three guys on the side watching watching. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Did the drugs I may kick just in destroy yet? that bus. The drugs. Um, yeah. That kind of reminded me of that flat, the very opening to the Flash. Actually, um, I thought that oh, was yeah, a really mm. fun scene, um, and we've seen so many different. Like, here's your new power set, but this was a little bit different. It was a little, it was yeah. fun. I liked the voice. Um, how do you make it different than what we've seen with Iron Man? It looks yeah. visually the same, even though much more powerful. Actually, very similar to the the Lantern All power you set. Do is Whatever he can, he can imagine. Give it some little yeah, insect legs over his shoulder, and it's. <laughs> Automatically a different superhero. <laughs> yeah. And and what's better than a giant great sword that appears oh, that was just mm. too large for him, but mm. he uses it miraculously. Uh, one thing before we wrap up here that I've seen some people talk about and I want to talk about briefly too, the how do I put this? Uh the not not necessarily the rating of the film, but in terms of how Jaime approaches combat uh Mm. it doesn't really track throughout the three acts of the film we see jaime being very do not put logic into the plot this plot does not (laughs) need logic (laughs) i'm so there's this is rudimentary logic when you consider that he is very openly against killing you know he's like don't kill don't kill and he uses these stun arms and things and that's very cool cool. to see a, a young naive superhero not want to bring an end to someone's life. Juxtapose that with the fact that the family is taking up arms against this <laughs> random corporation. A... George Lopez is, is literally stomping on people <laughs> when this scarab tank beetle as uh, Uncle Rudy. Uh, Nana is out here using a Gatling gun against uh, a disco real human lives. I, I understand that they're at odds, but it they go from... 
a very innocent, young, naive story to, meh, let's just start killing people for the action. It's fun. It's If you kill somebody and make a joke about it, funny. it's not a real murder. But when you brought up the swords and all to, that, to I was like, oh, fair, wait. Only, to be fair? To be fair, only J- Jaime said uh, that he didn't want to kill people. The family had no statement about none, about any degree of homicide. <laughs> like they're cleared man. in my books. They're they're good, man. They're good. I to guess go. yeah. And you know, it's not like they didn't have reason to start fighting back. They just had their entire family and and home ripped apart. Yeah, this but, was certainly uh, a movie where you don't want to think too much about the plot and the details. Okay. Okay. But. Okay. You just, you sit there, you have fun, you watch some little bing, bang, punch, 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 zip, zap, zips, and you're like, that was nice. Speaking of that was nice, Andy, let's get a rating, one out of (laughs) ten. I'm going to give this movie a six out of ten. I thought it was a good movie. I don't think it was great. I definitely don't think it's a top five. I think, Jake, you said this at the beginning of the the review. I definitely don't think it's a top five, or what did you say, the top movie in the past five years from DC. I said one of the best in the past five years. Okay. I, I thought it was a a good, a fun origin story with a fun family, and I enjoyed my time at the movies. Yeah. It was a, for me, it was a popcorn flick, and mm-hmm. I love that character, and I can't mm-hmm. wait to see more, and I hope we get Ted Cord and Jenny Cord and Jaime Reyes on an adventure in James oh, Gunn's Directed DC by James Gunn. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I don't know if he's going to direct anything, but that'd be great. Uh, Jakey Boy, this is your favorite, one of your favorite DC movies from the past five years. What was your favorite yeah. moment? And let's get a rating on a scale of one to 10. I love the family scene that where they're all hugging together at the end of the film, but you know we've already touched on that. So I was going to hit on uh, the moment where he summons this giant Final Fantasy sword, and I can actually allude to the, the fact that it sword. was it was Final Fantasy uh, because they use that as influence as well as Injustice Two and one other uh, action. You know, oh, so that's confirmed material. the Buster Sword. Yes. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. I so so. <laughs> uh, that I love the action sequence at the end. I thought it was great being able to sort of see that Green Lantern esque sort of ability with Jar. I'm going to call it Jarvis um, <laughs> because that's different. That's what separates this. And uh, one thing that I I love that the costume design team came up with. They recognized this is a goofy sort of looking superhero, and they just went with that. Like at times, I yeah. thought the tentacles and the arms looked awkward and weird, but then they went further and. Did the same thing yeah, with the beetle pod ship thing. Okay, that's yeah, exactly. I fully forgot bought to bring in, that up. They fully bought the, in to this looking awkward and uncomfortable. And I love that. that. I love that that they just accepted it. It just looks... Ted Kord's bug ship. The fact that they showed this in a live action film in 2023, when that was re- like first drawn up in 1935, is incredible. Oh, wow. And that's why it looks like it does, because it's literally a 1935's <laughs> automobile uh, in one of the early comics. You hmm. love the bug ship. Yeah. Got to. Gotta love the bug ship. Um, but, you know... I think there was a great theme about love and caring one another and having that mm-hmm. that strong support system throughout the film. Um, this was a fun movie. I hope they continue to do this with DC. Um, although it, this is going to get interesting how they're going to combine this sort of fun, whimsical sort of approach. I use whimsical. We hit our quota. <laughs> with the <laughs> the sort of dark you know expected you know theme of DC universe. So how they're going to mend and blend all that together, I am interested. Um, James Gunn, hopefully you use this as 
you know, uh, inspiration to do more films. Um, even though you didn't do direct this one or were part of right. this one, just <laughs> we'll, we'll, but let this be, let this be the example or the blueprint. He did tweet about it. He did. He did. He said he thought it was a great film and I agree. Um, but let this be the guiding light. Yes. Ooh. Wow. This guy knows his DC. Are you the mastermind? Oh my God. The DC mastermind. This guy's the DC mastermind. I, I, um, I didn't even know. Was I referencing something? I don't know. <laughs> that sounded like a Susan Sarandon quote. I already made, you are a brainiac. I thought that was a Green Lantern <laughs> reference. My bad. Uh, but oh, anyhow, it could be. if I, I think it is, um, I don't know. You're the mastermind. Anyhow, if oh, I'm going to give the rating, <laughs> I'm going to give the rating. It's going to be an 8.5 out of 10 for me. Hoopla. Um, I do recognize it had its issues, but I was Dang, hoopla. Like very entertained from start to finish. Uh, and look, yeah, can't wait to see more. Love it. And what about you, Chris? You had a favorite moment from the film? I do. If you'll let me take this as a moment, I'm going to pick my favorite moment as every moment of screen time up to where he actually got the scarab. Uh, Hmm. What I mean by that is this was such a... The tacos? You know, when he was eating the tacos and he just (laughs) needed his moment. (laughs) You know, he told the the parent, she, she said... He's eating the tacos. We got to tell him. Yeah, that's right. When they're well, and, and that's that goes into it. Yeah. When they're very first, they're going out to dinner and it describes how, you know, they're not very well off and they've hit money troubles, things like that. We get a lot of establishing, but that was the part that I liked, because sometimes when you see superhero movies, you don't get any of that. You, you get maybe, oh, there's one parent figure there's one uncle ben that's telling teaching them everything they need to know mm-hmm. this was so refreshing to see a superhero movie be born out of a family mm. rather than being born out of having no one you see so many solitary superheroes who you know can can find a, a family and and be part of a team and and come together as one but this started from a completely different way and it was really refreshing to see that so my favorite moment was just everything up until he became a hero, because finally we have some establishment on what it means to be a superhero and have a member of your family or have members of your family be behind you. Mm. Uh, so that was really excellent to see. Uh, as far as the total movie, yes, it did have some problems. Yes, we have seen this movie before, but from DC and with this fresh start, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I, I really Oopla. did enjoy it. Oopla. I don't know about you guys. My theater was full, 100% full. Uh, I don't know if that's the case everywhere, and obviously the box office numbers will speak to that, but my theater was jovial and, and crying and laughing, and it was it was awesome. That's wonderful to hear. I'm glad that people are out here enjoying the movie, because it was a fun, enjoyable movie. My theater was not full. <laughs> my theater was very much not full, and it made me sad. I was very sad. The six people in my theater were jovial and laughing and having a great time. Well, five plus me. Jamie, what did you rate this Well, I guess it's my turn. Uh, The rating is going to be tricky. I'll say my my quick favorite. Uh, My favorite moment from this film comes courtesy, we've already talked about it, courtesy of Nana when she strolls into the hallway 
with this multicolored Gatling gun and just starts blasting yes. away. I love a blasting grandma. And this also includes <laughs> um, just the rest of the family when they come in to help with the fight. The little sister, whose name I'm forgetting at the moment, but she gets the cool technology from um, the old Blue Beetle and she gets like a Ms. Marvel style cool. fist and punches people. That fist. And then oh, the, shield. Cool. And the, the shield. And the shield was, was cool big. Too. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I thought that was, mm-hmm. that was very cool. I liked having the whole family come in and join the fight. As far as rating goes, I, this is a hard one to rate because there's so much going on that like, am I rating it compared to the rest of the DC movies we've seen? Because if so, that's what I did. it's better than the rest of the DC movies. Are we rating it just relative to every movie ever made? Because it's not the greatest movie ever made, but it was enjoyable to watch. As is hoopla tradition, just go with your heart. I am going to go with my heart. <laughs> also, just make a random decision, putting, and that's why I said a six. Putting myself in the mindset of younger Jamie going to see this exact movie in 2013. Ooh. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Baby. Here we go. Here we go. I'm Let's giving see it. Dark Knight. I'm giving it an eight out of ten. Let's yeah. go hoopla. I mean, if Dark Knight's a 10 out of 10 in 2013 and you're, you know, what, 18 years old, you know, this is probably a seven or an eight. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very good for what it is. Hoopla. It's just a, a silly little superhero movie. Go watch mm-hmm. it. Don't think too much about it. Just enjoy the nice family aspect of it. It's fun. It's enjoyable. The movie is exactly what you expect it to be. Like if yes. if mm-hmm. you tell someone, hey, Blue Beetle's a superhero movie, they instantly know exactly what they're going to get when they go see it. And, you know, they did a good job. The reward yeah. is that you have a refreshing family take, which puts it over the top. Mm-hmm. It's a fun, loving superhero movie. That's what you need to yeah. add. Tell your friends. A fun, loving superhero movie that was made very well. If DC's goal was to have the audience leave the film and love Jaime Reyes, then they were 100% yep. successful. Absolutely. I completely agree. That was my takeaway from that film. 10 out of 10s all around. Hoopla. <laughs> Hoopla. <laughs> and with that, it is time for me to thank the audience for coming to join us on this wonderful Hoopla <laughs> ride. If you guys haven't gone out to see Blue Beetle, but you're listening to this episode anyway, you should go watch it. I mean, yeah. we spoiled things, but y- you already knew everything that was going to happen anyway. So it doesn't matter that we spoiled it. <laughs> it's a fun movie. You guys should go watch it. Tell DC that they need to keep this Blue Beetle Jaime Reyes' character involved in the future films. I believe they should use it as a blueprint. Whoa! Like the color of the beetle. (laughs) How convenient. What about the green beetle? What do you think about that, Chris? (laughs) Nope. Next. (laughs) A green print. There's not a green beetle. That's a green print. I don't think, at least. And with that, it is time for the moment of highest hoopla. The quote of the movie. As Nana said... In the best scene in the film, hay muchas cosas que tú no sabes de tu nana. There are many things you don't know about your girl. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Excellent. That's an unbelievable Uh, quote. Now we got to figure out how to get subtitles in a podcast. We could use the video podcast provided by Spotify for Podcast, the sponsor of this episode. Spotify, <laughs> Spotify for Podcast <laughs> allows you to do that. 